Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. And here's your host, Darren Duke. This Week in Lotus, Episode 11. No offence to techie people, but you are not good at social interaction. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com, the home of the finest custom business cards, mini cards, postcards and much more. For more information and for details of exclusive promotional offers, browse to thisweekinlotus.com. Moo. Everybody. My name is Darren Duke and welcome to This Week in Lotus episode 11. I think it's 11. Yes, it's 11. We've just checked that. Um, with me this week is Lisa Duke again as a guest host. Stuart is still out on vacation. I honestly thought he was going to be back this week, but apparently the English now get French-like vacations. I need to move back there. Um, but again, Lisa, thank you for taking part. So do you want to tell us a bit about yourself for people that might not know you? Sure. I'm the business development manager here at STS, which means I help run the sales and the marketing initiatives. Um, in addition to my day job doing that, I also contribute from time to time to Tips in Two, which is our free user training video for um, users of Lotus Products site. And I help support the Lotus user groups here in the Southeast. Atlanta is probably the Biggest, the longest established, and um, their meeting is coming up August 26th. But then we're also um, going to do Chattanooga on August 31st, Nashville on September 23rd with the Ed Brill, and Greenville, South Carolina on the 17th of August. Um, and it is Ed Brill's birthday, the day we're recording today, which is Friday the 6th. So happy birthday, the Ed Brill. Happy birthday, the Ed Brill. Um, also with us this week is uh, Mr. Same Time himself, Carl Tyler, uh, from IBM business partner, Apilio. Carl, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, and I'd like to point out it's also Julian Woodward's birthday. Indeed it is, Julian Woodward from the United Kingdom. Uh, happy birthday to him <laughs> as well. There's lots of birthdays, I've got to keep track of them. I don't even keep track of Lisa's, so I feel absolved from not remembering Julian's. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Carl, do you want to uh, extol your virtues a bit, please? Well, hold on, don't we have another person on the first? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to let you go first, and then we'll talk. Well, about I was that. confused by them at the same time. I thought you were talking about Chris. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a director and founder of IBM Advanced Business Partner Apelio. Uh, we we offer and deliver unified communication solutions for IBM Lotus Same Time Microsoft Office Communication Server. Um, been doing this Lotus software for. Ooh, too many years, probably uh, about 20 years now. And, um, yeah, can't get away from it. Okay. Um, and also with us is Mr. I Do Notes, a.k.a. Chris Miller, um, who is the Director of Messaging Collaboration at Connectria, one of the uh, largest IBM Lotus hosting providers. Chris, thank you for being on the podcast, and I understand you just got back from IAMLOG. Uh Yes, got back is a relative word since it was here in my city, but yes, I'm I'm surviving from 
I was more good. You said Carl was going to do his virtues. I'm still waiting, Carl, for you to do your virtues. <laughs> I can sleep the entire night. You <laughs> should peacefully. You know. uh. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So um, I'm back. We're done. You're done. And uh, uh, Chris just wrote his bio on, on the document we all share. And Chris just had a, a, a rather intriguing line item where he said, Chris is better as, better known as I do notes across every site, even though it's not in existence yet. Yeah, so for anybody who really wants to piss Chris Miller off, oh. like when a new site comes up, just go and register that ID and you can blackmail him. Um, normally, I, uh, normally um, I'll have that removed. So no, that's fine. Go for it. Okay. I make sure. It, no, really, I try to make sure it's me across all the different sites. And so. you, you, you do kind of have that down. That's that's one of the things that I know I, I, I do truly admire about you is my name is different across lots of different things. So I just need to get on, on the pulse of this social networking media thing a bit quicker than I am. I historically have. But, but don't, yeah, you use different, don't you use different names so that Lisa can't track right. you on those different right. websites? It's just for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know your your true name is pmooney.net. Did, did we not have to? Did we have to go through the NDA that you can't tell Lisa if you have a site? I, I, I thought it was like DarrenDukem.net or something. You know? <laughs> Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem. That's what it is. Um, okay, so with all of that, um, it's been a pretty um, interesting week. Uh, we had the release of same time 851 was actually released. I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. Um, so let's talk about the, the pros and cons and what is being fixed, what is new. Um, so, Carl, do you, do, you want, do you want to kick off this conversation about Same Time 851? Sure, why not? Um, so, basically, uh, Same Time 851 has some new platforms that it supports over Same Time 85. Um, and it also has a couple of uh, additional features in the product. But really, the, the way I like to think of Same Time 851 is Same Time 851 is what 85 should have been when it shipped. Um, and it contains lots of bug fixes, um, does some of the things that they advertised that it was going to do. But but at a high level, basically, you now have support for Windows 7 on the client, Apple Macintosh client, uh, Linux for, for SUSE, uh, Enterprise Desktop, Red Hat, and Ubuntu, um, support for BlackBerry devices, Windows Mobile 6.5. Uh, it now runs, well, the IAM component of it now runs on um, Lotus Domino 851 server. Um, it also has Linux on the IBM System Z, or Z for, for Americans. Um, some of the things that are in there, um, <laughs> some, of, some of the things that IBM puts down as like new features just crack me up sometimes, which is, you know, this one says something like simplified same-time client deployment, which basically means they've now um, bundled same-time unified telephony client into the standard same-time client, which means they can easily turn it on with a policy. But it means for customers that don't have same-time unified telephony, you've got extra overhead on your client again. Of the, the thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> you've now got it's a like, two-gig yeah. install well, of the we, client. We've made, we've made it easy to deploy all these other features by just including them all, even if you don't. <laughs> now, um, even easier for your salesperson. And they've got integration of video in same-time unified telephony, which, again, doesn't really matter to same-time 851 unless you're a same-time unified telephony customer, of which I don't think there are any yet. Um you know, that have really deployed it across the entire organization. One one that actually is, is good for enterprises is they've enhanced the chat logging so that it now will log announcements um, and chats over the same time gateway. For for the last, you know, since day dot, same time has always offered a toolkit for chat logging, which is why same time was uh, adopted early on in many financial organizations and things. But if you sent a same time announcement, 
that never ever got to the same time toolkit for doing the chat logging, so they were never logged. So now in 8.5.1, they, they've added that capability. And, and I didn't actually know that until I read the tech note that I think you linked to on your blog, and I was like, hmm, really? Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's been one of those things that, you know, people who have done chat logging solutions have kind of known for a long time, um, and it's actually you know, been awkward, and that's why companies turned off announcements for, for a lot of their users. Um, so so let, let's let's talk about upgrading. Um, is, is it an in-place upgrade? You can do an in-place yeah. upgrade of same time 8.5. Okay. It, it isn't really an in-place upgrade of earlier versions of same time. Because of the well, web speediness. Nothing else to upgrade, yeah. It, right. Yeah, but it, it isn't. You can do an overlay of 8.5. So so I'm, I'm guessing basically, man, it's, it, it's bug fixes. It now has a client that runs on the Mac and on Windows 7. Um, and, and, and a bit like, I guess, a lot of people would say Domino 8.5, really 8.5.1 was the, 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 the gold release. This is the same thing in the same time world then. Yeah, I think I think that'd be a fair thing. I, I think if if IBM was honest, they'd, they'd admit that eight five wasn't the greatest release, and eight five one um, addresses some of the shortcomings of that product, um, especially in you know terms of um, you know bugs and things like that. And uh, but th- this this really eight five one seems to I think do a lot of same time unified telephony stuff, which as I said, unless you're a same time unified telephony customer, doesn't really make any difference to you. But it helps IBM in their whole promotion of same-time unified telephony. Um, but and, definitely and are, the new but, devices and Windows 7 supports are a big help. And one of the things, SU2, which is same-time unified telephony, for, for a while there was no one that could do it, right? But now but now I think IBM, either ISSL or Global Services and a couple of partners are doing it. Is that right? I think uh, this month it will open it up to a couple of additional partners that can now deploy it. Um, it was It's one of those things that... Um, you know, if, if IBM announces it as if it was a product, but then if you talk to IBM, they'll tell you it's not a product. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a weird thing, and I think IBM oversold it a little bit to customers, and, and they actually created quite a bit of confusion with customers because they believed if you wanted to do any telephony, the only option was same-time unified telephony, and that isn't the case. There's lots of partners that offer telephony for same time with a lot less, uh, you know requirements and things like that so well, they've done they've done this before it's an asset remember carl back in the day they did the uh moderated chat as an asset of isssl you couldn't actually deploy it yourself even though it was just simply a notes database sitting on a same time server and that was their moderated chat feature it worked great but you could never buy it or sell it unless right. you went straight to isssl yep so you know so but so so sut should hopefully start getting um looked at a little bit more but it does have some you know strict ibm hardware requirements and it did as as uh you mentioned have up until this month requirements that only ibm global services could deploy it um at a customer site um so so, so let me ask a different question then for, for, for people who don't know what same time unified telephony is i think mm. of it is the whole click to call kind of thing right the dragging the people that they show you at lotus for your when when they do it on stage is that is that what sut is SUT offers that capability, but then this is the thing. So does third-party applications through client plugins, and so do third-party applications through the same-time TCSPI SDK. Uh, you know, just do a shameless plug. A, a, a few weeks ago, a month or whatever ago, before I went to South Africa, I did a, um, uh, a uh, webcast for Lotus User Group um, on this exact subject. So 
if if you haven't seen that, you should go back and watch that, and I I'll tell you all the different telephony options that you have for the same time. But if you think click to call, SUT is basically connects into your telephone system um, and allows you to do click to call. But as I said, so do lots of other third party tools uh, let you do that as well. So that's one of the things where IBM sometimes has been a little bit misleading. They've kind of implied that this is the only thing that does that, and, and that's kind of a, a false impression that customers have got. Okay. Um. The the zero download client, which was one of the things we were looking at, we we haven't yet upgraded our internal 802s to 8.5 or 8.5.1 mm-hmm. yet, so we we have the 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 rather long loading applet on our website for people to chat with our account execs. Um, is 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 that applet now gone away in in 8.5.1 when you do the the integrated chatting on on websites? It it's still there if you want to use same time links. Um. But if you install a same-time proxy server, then obviously you can use the Ajax uh, web client, or you can embed the Ajax um, availability station things in your website. Um, one one thing people don't realize um, is that a lot of people may want that Ajax client, but they think they have to deploy all the same-time 85851 servers. You don't need to. You could actually install a same-time proxy server and run that against your same-time 802 server. So if you want to have the iPhone client, if you want to have the um, Ajax on a web page, you can do that without deploying all of same time 8.5. And, and is, so there you, any, is, is there any specific requirement around that proxy? Because I'm more thinking of the same time gateway issue where you know you can't NAT certain protocols across the same time gateway, for example. AML. No, you don't have the problems like NAT issues with that. Um, okay. Basically, if you have the port open to it, um, then you'll be able to do that with NAT or whatever. It's it's just HTTP requests. It's, it's it's kind of like it's not a servlet, but it's that kind of idea where it's chatting to a servlet, and the server is acting as a proxy to the same time server for the conversations. Aha! So now I have a reason to upgrade to same time eight five one on the internal STS, or at least put the proxy in, I should say. Because well, uh, yeah, architecture. You, actually, you have yeah. a move for architecture. You can put that proxy sitting on the outside for you know companies and customers that want to chat with you guys. You know, unauthenticated, not part of your system, put it on the outside and let it connect back to your same time server that sits you know securely. Let those two talk and isolate everybody else. But how many companies are really going to end up deploying it except for the need of replacing ST links or an iPhone client? Most of them already have you know same time clients deployed everywhere and moving to people to this new you know web interface type, they don't need to. That's the biggest piece, but it's more great for outside customers. Uh, yeah, exactly, and I think that's that's our need. Um, I mean, just yesterday we had a, a customer pop on to the same time to ask about the 8.5, Domino 8.5.1 webinar we did yesterday. So, you know, we, we do get a fair amount of traffic over that, and one of the problems we see is the applets take, it can take 20, 20 to 30 seconds to load, depending on how fast your actual computer is. Well, yeah, so if somebody just, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, if somebody just clicks on the page, they read all the text and they're like, oh, it says something about chat, but I don't see how to do that. Let me move on. And it does say in the text, stay here, wait a minute, hang out. <laughs> well, the, 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 the biggest the yeah, the biggest problem with same time links, and it's always been the biggest problem with same time, is it has a Java requirement. And if you don't have the correct version of Java or you, you have Java security set up or whatever, then that thing will never turn green. So it works for some customers, but it doesn't work for other customers. And when you do things like, you know, live help on a website, you want it to work for every customer. Um, using the same time proxy in the Ajax client, you can now actually do that. Hmm. All right, Darren, you have your homework assignment. Do, 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 do. 
if you choose to accept it, you will install the same time. It should be done by the end of this call. You know, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) So, so, so so let's talk about the proxy then, because I think this is intriguing, not just for me, but maybe for two other people in the world. (laughs) So, so is is same time proxy a WebSphere stack? Yes. Okay. Basically, anything new that's been added to same time is now on WebSphere. It's no longer on Domino. Okay. So the the only thing on Domino today is the IAM. It's the community server component. You also still have what they call classic meetings. Yes. Which is the old web meeting uh, client and things. Um, that's all still there. The presence engine and everything's still on the Domino server. So all the things that you can kind it's all the things that you kind of thought came with same time limited, you know, the version that you could use if you have a notes license. Mm-hmm. All those things are still domino based. Ah. Okay. Make it real easy. If you have same time installed today, you can technically move to same time eight five one classic without ever adding additional hardware, and just go because it's a Domino upgrade. It's a same time upgrade. They just leave that out. They they don't mention it because they want you to deploy the full package. You don't have to do anything else but upgrade that same time server, and you're done. And you're running the core services you have today. Like Carl said, you you've got the chat and presence. You still have the old classic meetings. It doesn't have all the new functionalities and zero download. But you can still upgrade and then add on the other pieces later if you want to. Okay, so 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 there is there is an upgrade path. I can just install. I can upgrade to same time eight five one classic. I, I guess it's the same meeting service. It's just like bug fixes. Yep. Is that the idea? Yeah. Well, there's not much fixes in there at all, Car. I didn't read about any really fixes in there. Did you? I, I don't really. Read, I don't think they've done much work on classic. No, that 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 thing's kind of like what you would consider sunsetted now. Yeah. Okay. Which is unless there's a big enough customer using that component and having a problem, I doubt anything ever is going to get changed in there. Right. Okay. I now but have the a one, job. One, thing to po- one thing to point out about the proxy, you know, remember your same time license, which is a lot of people are just using the free entitlement. That doesn't entitle you to use things like same time proxy. No. So you have to have a same time license for those users that are connected on your website. So if you're a same time shop and you want to have customers connect from the outside and chat to you through your help desk or whatever, you need a, a same time extranet license for those anonymous users, unless all your customers are authenticated users, in which case you'd need a cal for them, things like that. So that's that's an important thing to remember, is just the licensing when you come to do this kind of thing. Right, okay. So, so proxy is not included with limited slash entry nope. slash no. what's called this week. Okay. No. Well, that was, that was useful. I actually learned something, and I always like these when I learn something. <laughs> is this um, the real reason you do this on Friday morning so you can figure out what you're going to play with on Saturday? That's exactly what it is. What am I going to do Wait, this weekend? Lisa, we thought you only got to play with you at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, Darren doesn't believe in playing no. unless I just, there's... I just want to point out, for people that don't know, and I didn't know when I volunteered to do this, they record this podcast at a crazy 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Six. So just just to point <laughs> yeah, this six out, central. six for Chris. But this morning, Bruce Elgort was supposed to be on the call as well. But it turns right. out that's four in the morning for Bruce. And last night, Bruce had his leaving due. So I'm just like. <laughs> and, and they've never pointed out that that those two are sitting together in the same room. We've never no, pointed this out. But we're not. Here's how flexible Darren and Lisa are. They know that nobody's on this call from the UK, so they right. still do it at seven in the morning. <laughs> Well, Darren doesn't want it to cut into his billable hours. He's yeah. got stuff to do. I've, 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 got, I've got real things to do during the day. I, I can only do this like like the wee hours of the morning or the late at well, night. So, Fortunately, the dog wakes up at like 5.30, so, you know. See? Yeah. But yes, Bruce didn't make it. Um, so maybe the dog can be on the podcast next week? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and in place of Carl Tyler is, what's the dog's name? 
Jesse, but Jessie. to be honest, if she was on, she never stops talking once she starts. You really yeah. don't want her. She's a noisy person. She's noisy. <laughs> like like owner like dog, right? Um... Oh. <laughs> well, they say that their dogs look like their owners, right? <laughs> Jesse's definitely getting a little chubby. <laughs> Um, okay, so moving on. Now we've outed Bruce, for, and, and, and congratulations, Bruce, on leaving Sharp Microelectronics. I guess is congratulations. Um, let, let's let's move on to to the post I am log wrap up. Uh, wrap up. Uh, so Chris, uh, obviously it was two days plus the tack it on optional. So that was that was three days of probably complete bedlam. Um, everything I saw coming out yeah. said it was a fantastic event. Uh, you know, you got the turtles absolute recommendation for the best things in sliced bread, I guess, is what all that rambling <laughs> blog was, was about. Um, so do you want to give us a bit of a, a recap of what happened and why, why well, should people attend next year? Yeah, well, yeah, it's funny that uh, Turtle put that on there. But he said, you know, uh, I am lugged dead in 17 years. He meant me. Yeah, I'll be dead in 17 years at this rate. <laughs> But there's lots of yeah. As as Carl's noting silently on the side, there was lots of Smurf shagging on the side. No, it was a two day event again. It was in St. Louis. For those that don't know where it was, shame on you for not knowing. Uh, pretty much filled the capacity. Uh, barely any seats left. I was pushing the last couple seats as people uh, said they couldn't come. I filled it with you know waitlisted people. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to read what Carl's writing, and I had comments, but I'm going to let it go. Carl's actually you know putting things in the sidebar chat about the city itself. So now I put it in the middle. It's the same two days as it was last year. Seemed to be a good time for everybody. It's right as a, a middle of the middle of the road Lotosphere type of event. Sorry. <laughs> it's held in St. Louis only because we're the capital of aluminum foil. Apparently, yeah. at this point. Apparently, the no. arch, according to Carl in the chat, apparently the arch is made out of tin foil. Right. And I'm not even going to look, but I'll probably aluminium carl's way it's spelled i'll probably screw this up really good but the list of speakers was incredible for those that came and gave their time for the event uh carl wasn't there i'd like to point that out uh some excuse about just getting back from world cup but you know gab davis came eileen fitzgerald came uh we run into matt white of course dave leedy was there paul calhoun was there uh tom duff marie scott kathy brown uh geez i'm running through the list of there's more speakers than that, of course, as it went through the rooms. Uh, did an amazing job. This is a donation of their time for the community just as much as it was running the event. IBM was the platinum sponsor this year. Ed Brill came uh, to do his normal session as well as he brought along Doug Cox to do the keynote address. And I should for, say Doug. For those that don't know, Doug Cox is Alistair's, took Alistair's old job, right? Alistair Rennie's old job. Okay. Correct. But Alistair had more of an appearance and name. It seemed. Uh, but Doug did just take this over in February, we found out. So he has a short time window that he's been ramping up. He was on the WebSphere portal side. Now he's taken over the Lotus side as well. So he's, he had a few months to ramp up. He really did a good job of listening to what everybody had to say. And a couple people I heard, the live conversation, not secondhand, that they said, I have had a major problem with this for so long. And, you know, we're an organization that's had this. And he says, give me exactly what it is. And... I will, you know, we will get it on the list for you, and I want to understand more of what your problems are. So he did a really good job of interacting with everyone as well. Okay, someone needs to send him the Idea Jam link. <laughs> well, yeah, he knows about that actually. Okay. He found out about Idea Jam at first. He did not, I believe, but I know he knows about it now. And Turtle made a bunch of good. The link will be up in the show notes, I guess. Uh, Scott, mm-hmm. the Turtle, made a good so we don't confuse it with Gab's Turtle partnership, but made a good point of saying well, how he thought the event ran, as well as the content, as well as it's a good middle-of-the-year technical event, not marketing, and it sits there and gives you 
not just the newest stuff, but great content from the speakers. It was really nice. Well, again, congratulations. This is the second one, right? So number two is under the belt. Number two is under the belt. Uh, we started getting into streaming more from some of the select sessions. While we could stream everything, I really feel the benefit is in being there. That was asked of me a couple times on the side. I got a bunch of emails saying, oh, why don't you just stream as, as, almost at least one session per slot? I said, well, then what's the point of you know, having a, having a user group community and you're here and present, you're talking, you're interacting? Because it's more about the interaction, too, as it's just about the sessions. The people have a great time interacting from, gosh, some came as early as Thursday this year for the weekend. Uh, definitely everyone was there by Sunday night that was flying in. And some stayed extra through even Wednesday, Thursday without having anything extra to do. They just wanted to be around, be in the city, and do things. So it's more about a community than it is just about a you know full technical event. Yeah, so, like, like like when Kathy was on, she said it was very collegiate a couple of weeks ago, and I guess that's exactly what what you oh, get okay. now, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so, what, Carl? So do do a little tourism thing. What are the things to see in St. Louis? St. Louis has one of the largest and best free zoos that there is in the country. St. Louis has one of the best and largest free science centers there is in the country. We have one of the biggest art museums. We have the brewery tours for you, of course, for those that just have to go see the home of Anheuser for some reason. We have, <laughs> of course, we have frozen. Uh, well, of course, frozen custard. We also have uh, one of the Six Flags theme parks. We also have that has its water park in it. We also across the other side, 20 minutes, have a large. Water parks. Then up the street is the city museum for the families. Unbelievable. It's not your normal museum. It is, uh, I would say, four or five floors of total interactive play space. Not even just like you pl- touch stuff with your hand. You play. You're inside of things. You're climbing around. You can go under the floors. Now they've expanded it all the way up and above the roof. If you look at the pictures, that's the best kid place ever. Our art museums are... Is that, is, that, huh? is that the McDonald's... Um... No. <laughs> Playland, like, no. Place where I have the bulls and stuff? No, no, no. You look at the pictures online of the city museum. And then also we have the, during the time people are there, the Muni Outdoor Theater. We have one of the oldest and largest outdoor uh, opera house type theaters that they do great all year round plays. This year, I think while they were there was, uh, was after the Sound of Music, but before like Footloose or something. I don't know. So there was something all those weekends. I think it was the opening of Footloose possibly. And then uh, Grant's Farm, which is about to become a national park. Of course, we have the Arch which is a great tourism spot overlooking all of St. Louis and all that stuff. So there's a lot to do. So even for a couple of days, you'll be, there's too much to do. So, so you could, you could bring your, your family along. You could attend the two day event or three day event. If you do have a tacket on and then just let them loose. Right. Write it off. Yeah. Come in early on the weekend. Oh, and the ball games, everyone went to the new stadium and to the ball games, yeah. even though it was a blazing, blazing day game. It was hot. <laughs> uh, it was unbelievably hot. Those people <laughs> sat out there and just cooked, but it was, there's also the game. So it's turned out to be, a great family event. We see a lot of people bring spouses and families along. Um, so, so during I am log, obviously, yep. you know, a, a lot of us couldn't attend because of previous commitments, like recovering from our Vuvuzela hangovers from South Africa. <laughs> or yeah. I actually had a uh, prior game with with IBM on on, on some jobs. Um, but uh, Mitch couldn't go either. Mitch, um, curiousmitch.com, and he had a kind of a live feed of, of, of a Twitter going on and particularly during, were you in Ed's, Ed Brill's session? 
Yeah, actually, I was in Ed Session. Uh, I started the stream in there, too. I stepped out for about uh, only about 10 minutes when he did the or original strategy piece and came back for the Vulcan piece for sure. And Mitch really didn't have anything to do. He was online just chipper-chattering away. He had nothing really to do. Neither did you. We told you about this five <laughs> months ago. You had no IBM job five months ago on those exact two days. See, here's uh, what you don't understand, Chris, is Darren has a problem and we need to have some sort of intervention. It's all I can do to get him to go to Lotosphere. He just <laughs> loves to work. When I first started this job, I would try to protect his weekends and say, no, Darren can't work on the weekends. But if he's not messing with a client's server on the weekend, he's you know pushing me that we need to buy a new server and playing with our stuff. So finally, I'm like, all right, if you're going to ignore me and play with computers all weekend, I might as well make some money out that, of it. That, that so. is... See, what Darren told me was that you keep having to go at him about his utilization rate. <laughs> and that, oh, you're, you're down at 80% this month. You better be getting out there more. That's right. What, what do you mean? Uh, uh, you've got a mere 87% utilization. Get out there. Uh, now, Lisa has a valid point. The dirty little secret in STS is keep Darren busy on the weekends. Otherwise, you'll come in on the morning and none of the STS stuff will work. <laughs> Yep. And been, right I've now we're having around. the uh, the I want a sand conversation. I want a sand. I want a sand on her iPad. Well, actually, your iPad. Let me say this: the sponsors at iAmlug gave away some of the most incredible prizes this year. They gave away two iPads. They gave away a Kindle. Uh, Sean Burgess actually won that. They yeah, two iPads. Uh, they gave away a three hundred fifty dollar card to buy a Android phone. They gave away uh, $100 Amex cards. They gave it was just a mate. Oh, four uh, headsets from Plantronics went out the door. Uh, the UC2 headsets. They gave away a ton of good things, including the iPads. So you would have had a good chance of winning one of those. Uh, damn it! I'll be back <laughs> next year. I'm booking my. When, when is it? Is the dates been decided next year? Because you've already my... been waitlisted. You've already been waitlisted. No need. <laughs> You're, oh, you're presenting. Did you not know? Yeah, right. I'm, I'm. I'm probably going to resign from presenting. But yeah, so it, it, go, yeah, Ed did get up. He did get his strategy. He was put on the spot in the keynote by Doug Cox. Doug said, "Ed, you're you're going to demo, you know, Vulcan tomorrow, right?" And it was like, "Uh, huh." So Ed ended up doing live work with Vulcan on the second day on the screen, which was uh, kind of impressive that he actually, you know, pulled did it. It wasn't a screencast. It wasn't anything. People were telling him where to click, so it was live. And, and and you know that's that's interesting that you know I saw the same thing where Ed was kind of thrown under the bus by his boss, um, and, and you know I, I think it's intriguing that Vulcan is not quote unquote a product yet it was demoed and you know this goes back to a couple of things I've seen over the years that this is not a product this is not a product yet we consistently see demos of it and not only is it not a quote unquote product but it won't be released until 2011 or more likely 2012 so it looks to me like if it smells like a duck and it quacks like a duck it probably is a duck well no they're saying it's not a separate product no I think they're saying don't look at this as one something that may be released under the name as a product too. It may not be, it may be part of a different interface. It may be considered Lotus Notes. It isn't something we're just going to sell off the shelf. It is a conceptual interface that we're building and we're giving a code name, but that we're not saying it's an actual product yet. It just kind of protects them in the long run where we don't have an expectation as long as they're saying it, that this will be the client that we see anytime in the future. Mainly when he said, you know, two stages, you know, two releases type of thing going on. Mitch actually captured a tweet, I think, from Gab Davis that said it's going to be done in two releases. Mm -hmm. So they have a whole idea and plan of how they want to get this out there because it's going to be a total 
mainstay right now the sta- this is one thing that drives me nuts about it one thing the standard client is still the basic client with a pretty picture frame around it that's all it is that's all the standard client is it has a little eclipse picture frame written around the actual basic client and everyone says oh eclipse yeah it's still it's still the old back end code it still sits there this one is a total change to the way it installs the way you look you know getting rid of a lot of it they got to create hooks it's basically a total web type interface. Everyone needs to realize that we're talking uh, dominant web access on steroids with a whole bunch of other stuff built in. Yeah, it, it changes the, the mindset of how you're going to not only d- deploy the clients, but what do you do with your old clients that are on the machines? What about the legacy access? How do I surface my applications? Well, I really have to then really delve deep into X pages to get everything surfaced so I can use it through this web interface successfully. There's a lot of work from the customers that'll have to go in and putting this out as a product would, I think, cause a lot more of an uproar than everyone's aware of. And, and I, I would agree. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting that it's, you know, Vulcan is... Is, is a vision, and, and I'm glad to see that IBM are starting the vision conversation. You know, there's one on the portal side, the Project North Star kind of idea. And I'm, I'm hoping all of this vision and roadmap stuff come out of the, the Ferrari when uh, Ed had asked on his blog a couple of months ago, why does everyone want a roadmap? Well, we want a roadmap so we know there's a road. Well, yeah, that too. And they, they're kind of letting you know where their goal is right now, where their work is when Ed said, we're going to stop doing features in 852. Uh, there'll be a lot of fixes still, but 8.5.2 will be the last feature release of the 8.5 code stream. They're really investing heavily in the future at this point, is what it reads to me. And that's just that's not insider knowledge, just what it reads to me is they're saying we're going to invest heavily in moving ahead and trying to you know win over this whole interface of guess what if and look at the bigger picture if they give you an interface like this, they can really then sell you the cloud because it doesn't matter where that data sits if it's a web interface like that. Right. And, and you're exactly right. When, when I saw the 8.5.2 is going to be the last 8.5 code stream, you know, I'm, I'm sure that caused a lot of concern to some people. But to me, you know, it's, it's, it's progress. They did the same thing with 8.0. They said 8.0.2 is going to be the last release. It's going to be fixed packs. And I think we're up to like fixed pack 67, right? Or something like that. Four? Uh, I think it's six. I think we're six, six. on 8.0 eight, 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 eight right now. And, and I, I think that's a good thing because at some point you, you've got to say, okay, we're done with adding features to this release. The new features, the net new features are going to be in the next release, which actually also brings up a, an, another rumor, quote unquote, that I think was said in that session that it comes up every, every time as a new major release. We're not sure we're going to call the next release Notch 9. Um, you know, I'd, I would like to see them move to a yearly naming scheme. So maybe Notch 2012 or something like that. Because I think once you get to the realm of notes 15 and notes 16, just like um, Word, what was the word processor called that had 15 releases? Um, you know, like that, you start to think, well, this is a 15 release. This has got to be a really, really, really old product. And I think Microsoft do a very good job of conning people that, you know, Office 2010 is way better than 2007 because that's a three whole years better. Well, and not only that, is it, forces people to deal with the fact that, you know, hey, if you're five versions back and you're comparing to today's version of a competing product, it's not really fair. So if we call it Notes 2012 and, you know, there's Exchange 2012, at least people will compare those two to each other instead of saying, oh, Exchange 2012 versus Notes 4.6. It's not really a fair comparison. So I like having that year attached to it so that people can kind of see, oh, this is today's version, and when, you know, Notes 2012, when we're at 
2017, they'll realize, ha ha, maybe it's time for an upgrade. So I really like the idea of putting a year to it as well. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Lisa brings up a very good point. When was R6 released? Maybe, what, 2002, I guess? Yeah, so if that, if, that, if that was called Notes 2002 and 8.5 was called Notes 2010, it suddenly becomes obvious to someone that, look, you are a good eight years out of whack. And, and then they don't go looking, oh, well, let's migrate. They say, well, let's look at what Domino 2010 does. Well, and, you got to look at the split. They did six, then they did six, five. Yeah. So they threw that in. Most people would never see a half release. That would have been added in. And then eight and then eight, five. These half releases, you know, is what we'd see as year number releases in other companies when they do these uh, half point releases. And, and that's a... The staggering that, point, right? That, that's a very good point. And, and historically, a 0.5 release in the Domino release cycle has added new features onto the server. So with 6.5, we saw we saw same time added, right? The same time embedded stuff was added. There was never a 7.5 uh, because really there was, you know, on, on, on the Domino server on 7, there was web services and maybe a performance increase and that was it. And then 8.5 added X pages and Deos to the base 8.0 code. So... You know, a lot of people don't understand that a 0.5 release is major. There are some issues, though, with going to a year number. Um, And that comes around when you start talking about which products integrate with which version. Right. So, you know, IBM committed and then failed to to do it after about three months after committing to to sync their version numbers up with all the products and things like that. And if you had same time 8.5, you knew that would work with Domino 8.5, et cetera, et cetera. But that gets much more complicated when you go to a year model. And um, IBM's done year number versioning before as well. They did it with SmartSuite, you know, and they'd lasted for two years doing that with SmartSuite 96, SmartSuite 97, and then they switched to, like, SmartSuite Millennium. Um, but it, it, it's, it's one of those things that um, it, it can even get confusing if you use Office. You may use Office 2010, but which version of Office 2010? Do you have Office 2010? Point one or 2010.2, which fixes do you have, stuff like that. So there's there's some good things from a marketing point of view, having a year number where it shows that you're doing things. But from a um, like admin tracking versions and knowing what you're running, it actually complicates life quite a bit. Now, that's something else you should point out is all the companies now waiting to upgrade in the 8.5. Oh, we want to wait for all the fixes. We want to wait for everything to be there. We want 8.5.2 it's kind of been said now it's going to be the last feature release. So you might as well plan on being at 8.5.2. You're going to have everything you're going to get from it. You'll get some fixes later behind it. But it's pretty much done. And we kind of put in the notes. Ed pretty much hinted at you're going to see that in a few weeks. I mean, there's there was no way you could misinterpret what he said that you will be seeing that in a few weeks. Yeah, and I think his I saw a tweet from Ed that he said it will be this month. And I think Gab Davis had said more than a handful of people had told her sometime around August 24th. Now, I will prefix with this is I know the date, or I should rephrase that, I knew the date, but I forgot the date. So (laughs) I don't actually know if that's true without going back and looking in my email, and I haven't bothered. But um, Well, and Darren isn't – oh, I think this is what you were getting to, but um, Ed is coming on this podcast a week from today with some – breaking news so some announcements yeah oh, go so figure that, yeah so you know <laughs> if you read between the lines on that stuff uh but but you know I, I'm, I'm with you chris i think 852 is is that's the bun in the oven when it comes out it's fully baked okay let's go to the next one um and I, and i think that's a radical change from the seven code stream where all we ever got was fix packs we never got any new features really in seven 
and it never got a past a, a, a seven. I think seven or four was the last one, right? Oh yeah. So no, yeah, that's that's good it. To see new the new release cycles. I'm 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 actually stoked, and I don't really care what they call it. I just want them to keep you know adding features to the product, and like you said. Um, you know, the Eclipse client is really just an overlay on the top of still classic notes. And, and is Vulcan the next generation of the notes client, just like Hanover, which is now note standard, was the next innovation. And I think that remains to be seen, but hopefully that's the case. Um, speaking of innovation, uh, this week Google announced that it was ceasing all active development on the once much vaunted Google Wave. Uh, Stuart and myself have talked about this previously on the podcast and, and I've actually used Google Wave for about five minutes uh, but as with everything that's collaboration if, if no one else is on the system you know it's a bit pointless it's a bit like being the first person with a telephone um, um, apparently I was one of the first people with the phone it you were okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so I, I was actually intrigued from two reasons about, about Google Wave's apparent failure one is the this got a lot of publicity from the likes of MSNBC, the BBC, CNN, um, you know, even even the people that don't get involved in technology all that much, National Public Radio in, in the States, even they were, were, were on the Google Wave bandwagon. And so I'm, I'm intrigued that such a public uh, launch failed so abysmally. And, and secondary to that, it, it, it's, my, my assumption here is that maybe Google have the same problem IBM have had with Notes for years is, it's it's hard to market and describe what collaboration is or what the next generation of collaboration is. Did did anyone actually use Wave? Oh yeah, I used Wave still quite a bit. And and what's the use cases that you're using it for, Chris? Uh, mainly, like you said, the collaboration piece and how I was the live embedding, the live editing, uh, the live stream stuff, the capturing of the data. Uh, we were using it as a collaborative tool to move through a lot of different pieces real time and flowing, you know, way beyond what we see on like Google Docs where you can see someone's editing or someone's working on it, but into adding in widgets, pulling data, pulling feeds, uh, inviting others, uh, dropping people out, sharing some things publicly, embedding waves inside so they can see live working documents inside of web pages. We use it quite a few ways. And I don't think when they say going away and killed, what I see it end up being is this technology be embedded in a bunch of other pieces and it'll be rebranded. Now they did kill other products along the way. You know, they've killed things like Dodgeball and the others. But the technology still sits in the back end and it gave them parts of the ideas of latitudes and others. So this will this will still sit there. The technology is too great for them just to ignore it and walk away from. So I, mean, I I think I think the reason why it got such good coverage was they did a great demo. I mean right. that two hour video you know, a lot of people watch that two-hour video of their product managers showing the product. And from, a, you know, people watching translation on the fly, you typing and it's appearing, people were kind of like, wow, that's great. But when you use that in the real world, it tends not to work very well because, you know, when you're typing stuff, you'll backspace, you'll show, you know, remove stuff because you type things you don't want people to read because you think, well, I won't send that now. Google Wave, whatever you were typing, people were seeing unless you turn that option off. So... I think people weren't necessarily comfortable with the way that it actually worked, but it did demo really well. But some of the things Chris talks about, like, you know, the feeds and things like that, you know, that, that's, that's similar to, you know, portals or whatever you want to call them that you have today, just that Google Wave was probably a little easier to set them up quickly and get that information coming in from different places. But I, I think it was just a case of 
that the way it worked was not actually how most people work. I think for a company like Google with a ton of geeks and techie people where, you know, no insult to techie people, but tends to be a little uh, not as good on social interaction maybe as, as other people. <laughs> but And they don't really care that somebody reads some shit that they're writing and then they hit backspace on. Um, so I think within Google, it works great because, you know, they don't care. But I think for a lot of other companies, people care about their image when they're, you know, what they portray to other people in the company, things like that. So I think it's just one of those models that not everybody works that way. And if Google, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think we need to send Google a copy of Michael Sampson's user adoption book. Yeah, really? (laughs) That's really the problem. And we've talked about this in relation to connections is, you know, if somebody demos connections inside of a big company to a potential client and they say, wow, that looks good, let's set up a proof of technology and let's put two of our users on it. Well, it's not going to be the same thing. The whole value of a collaborative tool is having other people that you want to collaborate with on it, which is probably why it works so well for Chris is he was, you know, talking to other people that were using it. It made sense in his day-to-day life, but if the only person on Google Wave you knew was the person who invited you and they weren't really using it either, it was kind of kind of a so what moment. So, you know, it goes back to, Darren, what you said about the telephone is some of these collaborative technologies are really only as valuable as your community being on them. I get the same question about Twitter. People say, I don't I don't get Twitter. Why would I want to be on Twitter? Well, Twitter is no good to you unless there are people that you are interested in getting to know on Twitter. So, you know, the, and the you, value you know, they've just changed that, right? They just, uh, the past few days, you may not have it on your page yet. You will shortly, they now have a recommendation engine on the right side of your page on Twitter. Start. So it's starting to recommend people that you should follow based upon those you already interact with. Ah, gotcha. I've been using the, um, what is it? Tweet deck. So I haven't actually been to the website in a while. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. See if they just, they're adding it slowly to some people. Um, you'll get it over a period of time, but it's a recommendation engine now. Uh, but the problem is, of course, you could add too many. But one of the things Wave didn't do was allowing Google Apps IDs in. So small companies couldn't really use all their corporate IDs they already had and take advantage of Wave. You had to use a Google account that then mapped you know, to a Wave account. But you could just go in with, if you hosted your company on Google App Engines, you couldn't move it over and just start using it. Everyone had to have separate Google accounts. So that was a downfall that they didn't plan on up front. And, and did the much vaunted we're going to send out limited invites maybe also affect this you know it's it's okay sending out limited invites to people for an email system because chances are the person you're sending to also is on some other arbitrary email system but when you're sending out limited invites to to, to wave obviously the, the you're going to get there and the only people on wave to that point is the people who also have had the invite so did did google's much vaunted marketing an exclusivity issue maybe also play a, a, a toll here uh, it was supposed to be a staggered approach and then let you invite others as well. And it was you know, supposed to be staggered instead of overloading the system with – can imagine the size of Google if everyone just got in right away. That would have been just far too much for one pilot scaling, planning, way, you know, way beyond the scope of what they had. So letting people in staggered is good, but usually they give you some invites to invite those you know that are in the system – I don't know. I think overall, they, there's a lot of things it does in the back end that no one's explored. I started doing a whole white paper on uh, the federation of the servers in a way like Domino. Being able to federate waves across not only companies, but across you know enterprises, your own servers. They had a lot of potential inside of it, and I bet we see it pop up in some of their other products. 
and, and I think that's Google's official stance as well on, on, on the Google blog was, you know, while this will continue to be in existence for, I guess I said, the ne- at least the next 18 months, expect to see some of the technologies that were in Wave appear in our other products. And I think the only difference between Wave and anything else that's died or been moved not public in Google is that this really was, you know, a, lo- a lot of people were, were following this. There was a lot of media hype around it. And I think this is the first real big Google failure, public failure. And, you know, it's 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 much like the Goliath does have a chink in its armor. And but I, and you know I think, what? It's yeah. it's a free product. It makes no money. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, what, so. what's the loss? No, I mean, I think the thing is, though, one of the things they have said is that if you've been developing or developed solutions that use that kind of Google Wave API and stuff, supposedly all that stuff's still going to be okay. So if you built a business model on doing stuff using the Google Wave engine, then supposedly that's still going to be okay. Um and I, and, I, and I think, you know, there is some truth to be said about a lot of the stuff that's in there. You now find in their other apps, like, you know, whilst this chat's going on, you've got the Google Doc thing going on in the background. And some of the things that they showed in um, you know, Wave, where you're doing dual editing at the same time, all that sort of stuff, that's now in Google Docs. So, you know, whilst other companies are talking about they're going to offer this in the future, you know, Google has that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But enough about Google. Let's talk about Lotus some more. Yeah, so... That's what I was about to do. Is about to move on. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I wanna kind of cover two different things. Well, iLog first. Um, you know, kudos to IBM. Uh, iLog, which is the Irish Lotus user group, which flip flops between UK Log and iLog every other year, I believe, is what it does. Um, one of the big historic platinum sponsors. I won't mention their name. Rim. Okay, Lisa mentioned their name. <laughs> <laughs> they were gone. They they were gone from IMLog too, so it's it's yeah. safe to say. Yeah. So you know, Rim kind of pulled out, which I think left uh, Paul Mooney and and that crew in a bit of dire straits. And, and IBM have stepped up and have uh, helped out with being a platinum sponsor, which they also did with IMLog, correct? Yes, yeah, correct, yeah. exactly. So I IMLog, which has been a bit quiet of late, as as Mooney was working on the back uh, behind the scenes on on making sure this could still go ahead. Is, is going to go ahead, so that's good news. So all the people in Europe, uh, and I know a lot of people from the States are coming across. I, I may come across. I haven't completely decided yet. Um, so, you know, that's going you've to go to ahead. Work. That's good news. Darren, you've got to work. I already know. I, I, you've got I to work. And I've got family there, so I need to avoid that continent at all costs. Oh. <laughs> if, if my mom or my sisters are listening to this, that was a joke, and they're not, so I'm okay. Um. I'm not even listening, and I'm sitting right here. So, 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 so God, if, if they're not listening, who's going to listen to this podcast? Right. <laughs> what are we even bothering for? <laughs> I mean, that's percent of your listeners right there. Um, and then I want to, I want to quickly move on because we're out of time. Uh, over over the past week, there's been a lot of discussion around Domino's directory independence. And to me, directory independence mean means to be able to just use, well, Active Directory. I, I, I and my customers want Domino to natively use Active Directory, and that's what I consider Domino Directory independence. Um, I, there was a session at IAMLOG uh, held by the very talented Marie Scott and, and Gab Davis, where they showed you how you can do this in Domino today. And it's on, uh, I, think it's, I think it's on Marie Scott's blog. Um, yeah, and it's in the IAMLOG stuff too. If, oh, had you attended, you would have already you know, had the access to the files, but that's okay. Uh, no, it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a presentation. The PDF is there. You can find it across both of them or um, the IAMLOG stuff has it too. And, and being the contrarian that I am, you know, what I want to know is what, why, why is Active Directory basically a checkbox in every other Lotus environment except Domino? Why, why again do I have to go and hack away 
that's in easy documents and, and do it you know it's so, simple if yeah. you want if you want directory independence and you want to use something else then you don't want a key structure from domino if you want to use LDAP as a query source, Domino does it today. You can use Active Directory as it if you want to use web interface. If you want Project Vulkan later, it could be directory independent because you have no key structure. SSL is not a server-based, client-based level key structure for PKI infrastructure that says, I will encrypt every single piece of data with this key structure. And no one gets that fact that the you know client keys is probably one of the strongest point of the whole thing of how this whole domino thing works. And they, you know, oh, we just want to move over for authentication. Well, if you're only looking for authentication, then move to entire LDAP, move to entire web interface for now, and you will have your solution done. But if you want to use the notes client, you can't get away from the key structure. That's why ID vault and everything else is there. Sorry. Uh, right. and, and I think that's, that's a valid point. Uh, the counterpoint of that is uh, IBM for a number of years had indicated that it may, it, it would be in. And yeah, I well, know yeah, there's did. a random they had to yank it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a random techno, you know, it was it was allegedly gonna start up here in eight five two. It's 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 now since been sunsetted even before it was released. Mm-hmm. And and I personally I think that's a very, very bad idea. One of one of the things that's pushing a lot of domino migrations is because, well, I only want to manage it in one place. And I think you can say, well, move to the web. But honestly, if I had to use the web twenty four seven for anything, be it Gmail, be it iNotes, I would put my eyes out with a blunt pen. So you're saying that Vulkan won't succeed? As, as it stands today, if, if Vulkan was to be based on whatever Google have and whatever IBM currently have, given the time frames, I think it would fail if it was released today. I think that's one of the reasons why it failed today. People aren't ready to move completely to the web. At least normal users, maybe the four people on this call and, and the 400, 500 people that listen to this, maybe we can. But I think the majority of people, that's still a, a alien environment for them. It's like, it's like being on the moon. Well, and it goes back to the web is not 100% perfect at all times. If the World Cup can take down the Internet, then I'm not sure I want that to mean that nobody in my organization can do any work at all. I'd like for people to be able to work on their client, email each other, and then when the Internet comes back up, Domino sends out all the emails. The, the view that the Internet's the way to do everything is also a very um, US-centric Western Europe view. If you, if you travel to other places in the world, you'll find out how bad the Internet still is <laughs> in a lot of countries. You know, and Chris and I can tell you from first-hand experience with South Africa, you know, <laughs> pe- people don't have things like unlimited bandwidth each month. They have like a gig or two gig for a month, and that's it. And, you know, as an example, Chris, Chris Andy, and I wiped out somebody's g- limit for the month in a day. Yep. And literally wow. every two days we had to keep paying extra money to get a whole nother thing. And what you'd have to do is you'd get given a new PPTP password. Yep. You'd have to go in your router. You put in a new name, new password. And we'd have to do it like every three days as we uploaded stuff or we did things. So, you know, it, it's one of those things of people that think that it's always on, always available, need to travel. They need to leave yeah. their, their little home offices where they have wonderful Fios or, you know, cable internet. And they need to go to other parts of the world and say, yeah, go be 100% connected all the time and tell them to live it for a week. Yeah, well, and even other parts of your state. Darren and I used to live on the other side of Atlanta. And we had the only fast Internet that was available was over satellite, which 
went out when it rained. And so we would have to tell clients, oh, sorry, I didn't get your email. It rained yesterday. <laughs> so we ended up installing a T1 into our house. And it was really funny. The This was in the Bell South days. The Bell South guy would come out and park in our driveway and put one cone in front of the truck and one cone behind the truck. And Darren would say, how many other T1s in the area are out? And he'd look up, look at one end of the subdivision, look at the other end of the subdivision and say, you know, I'm pretty sure you're the only T1 in the area. And frankly, it never worked. I think they replaced every physical connection and piece of wire between our house and the CO in town. And it just never really worked and so that's because the 16 year old the street was playing world of warcraft and streaming his <laughs> xbox why it didn't work none, none of my t1 he wasn't i guarantee you that. <laughs> so that's what you think you look out your back window he had a wire running straight to your house yeah yeah so forget other countries even other counties it's not realistic that's a big reason why we moved to the other side of atlanta it's like all right we got to get someplace where we can get at least dsl or cable or you know, some kind of high speed because we've got stuff we need to do. So, and, and yeah. And, and in the cycle back around, I just think it's very short-sighted f- f- from IBM. And, and I hate the fact that Active Directory is the de facto standard, but it is. And why are you making customers who want to purchase your product jump through additional hoops to get that to work? And I understand they've got Tivoli Directory Integrator. I think that's a very good product and I think it's a very good entitlement. However, I'll say this again and again and again, clients do not want quote-unquote integration, they just want it to work. And today it doesn't and it looks like in the foreseeable future it won't. And will Vulcan fix that? Maybe, maybe not, but IBM need to, need, need to understand that maybe 0.1% of organizations need a public key infrastructure. Most organizations, they are fine with a password, and that's what the web access is anyway. End of soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for the brackets. We're waiting for the brackets at the end. No, Carl brought up, and we went down there. It was a so you know we look at the web interface, and I look at the simple maneuver of wanting to use the web to do anything. We it was hard. Even we went up the street, and Carl, where was it? Uh, we tried to use the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop just for a half hour of free Wi-Fi somewhere, and it was abhorrently slow. And even replicating, loading anything, and you're only sharing with three people that were there, it just doesn't function. Something like this behind-the-firewall type approach, even if it is something you're accessing locally, right? So keeping the data locally still has to be done, but you're asking about directory independence. I don't think it makes a difference to a lot of the companies if you can do something like sync with TDI or behind-the-scenes make it all work. It'll still be there, plus you get the security, plus you get the application platform, plus you get everything else. Sure, you have to install another piece of tool like TDI, but it'll solve the problem of people worrying about how to manage two accounts and things like that. So the directory independence way that Gab and Marie did went over very well, so everyone knows, a highly rated session, uh, great attendance, because people are really interested in this topic. It's it's on the forefront of a lot of companies of who's going to manage the directory and who's going to control you know, how we authenticate. And just, just to go back to the speed thing again, um, a lot of websites, they're doing a lot of Ajax, but they're not testing their websites on slow connections. Horrid. So here's, here's an example of the DSL speeds in South Africa. They had fast, faster, and fastest. Fast, <laughs> that was their name. Fast, that was the name. <laughs> now, fast, fast was 256K yep. down. Faster was 512K down. And actually, fastest, I think, was, was Seven. it 4 meg or something? 
No, it, it wasn't even that fast. It wasn't. But even, it was, it you know, but it was like you, you go in. Hold on, what speed did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Their fastest was slower than our standard that most people would buy, and to them, it's very. It was very uncommon for anyone to have the fastest speed. Everyone we talked to, they the fastest speed. They just they just lived without it. And that's now a one, da- that's a download, right? So what's the upload? Yeah. Uh, oh, upload right. was like a modem. Yeah, it was like 56k. But, but one of the interesting things that is is obviously they're like one of these countries that's skipping a whole stage of using landlines. So their yeah. wireless access is actually pretty good. The 3G was great. So you you can get seven megabytes down on their 3G and stuff in in South Africa if you have the the right adapter and things like that. And we so, tried, and they do not have Telmcar. We went to so what, 18 different stores. MiFi, you know, the portable hotspots, do not exist. They actually stopped selling them for only USB 3G keys, which is which was very interesting. Hmm. And then if you use your phone there, you oh wait, 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 wait. This is this is my favorite part. I want to tell you, Carl spent a good hour and a half on the phone berating AT and T because when he left before the World Cup, they said South Africa was covered as a country that would support the roaming data charge for the iPhone. The time the World Cup rolled around, they had removed South Africa from the list. <laughs> so Carl called, wait, Carl called and said, no, you know, I'm not going to buy it if it's not there. And they kept telling him it's supported. And the guy at AT&T kept saying supported. So Carl got the AT&T, did, I presume he sent it, the representatives to actually send him a letter stating that South Africa was supported. He, before he turned it on, they made to send a letter. And what kind of bill did you get for your uh, data usage, Carl? For the five weeks we were there, it was $1,900. Whoa. Well, because it's it's ten dollars a megabyte, right? So so what I said to them was, I go, you know, you got this hundred dollars a month you can pay, and that gives you a hundred megabytes when you're an international. And I go, I need you to tell me that I'm covered in South Africa. And the guy goes, you get a hundred megabytes, and then ten dollars a megabyte after the hundred megabytes. And I'm like, are you sure about this? And it went on like this for like an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I want you to put on my record that we've talked about this. This is what you've told me, and send an email and all this sort of stuff. And he did. And I get back and I get my bill and I'm just going, they've charged me $10 a megabyte for every megabyte. They've ignored the data plan I had. So I, I phone them up and they go, oh, well, it looks like you've been given some misinformation. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I go, I've been given misinformation by you. And they're going, well, so what would you want us to do about it? And I'm like, well, I'm not paying it. You, you know, you got to take it off. So, so they, they said to me, oh, well, you know what? We've just taken off July. We won't charge you any data for July. And I'm going, okay, well, that's $700 off. What about the $1,200 in, in June? And they're going, oh, well, that amount needs a whole other level of um, approval. So you don't want to go through that, do you? And I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> 12 in a box. <laughs> yeah, sure. And they're going, but what if it doesn't get approved? And I'm like, well, if it doesn't get approved, I'm not going to pay it. Because I go, you have the record there. And they're going, yeah, but he misinformed you. And I'm going, I go, it's like saying that I bought a car for $100. <laughs> and I get it home and they're going, oh, Here's the three thousand dollar bill, and you'd be like, oh, "What's a three thousand dollar bill for?" He goes, "Oh, he just didn't tell you that you had to pay three thousand dollars." You know? Yeah, he is so, your representative. So actually, one of the things that I did discover was is is, is like the iPhone for an international device compared to Chris's BlackBerry, no comparison. Chris was there taking pictures, uploading them, <laughs> you know, downloading them. I'd be turning my phone upside down, standing on steps trying to get a reception. And he's there going, what's the problem, you know? So BlackBerry, hands down, beat the iPhone uh, for, the, yeah. for the international travel. And it's all part of Chris's yeah. plan. Wow. Now, you saw, now, the flip side was, Carl, what? Not a lot of people had Blackberries. 
Remember that? True. We were walking. But then not a lot of people had iPhones either, so. Right. But they, yeah, a lot of them didn't have Blackberries. And so we were there with, I was uh, traveling with the storm and I would uh, take a picture, click, send it to Flickr, upload. I was, you know, we were like, you saw some of the live pictures coming up from the games. We were sending up live pictures from the games. And it, to me, it was, I didn't have to think about it. I only had one area that we drove through, I think, once that not in the big city that we were going down to uh, Durban, where we lost you know, some connectivity of the type of network, you know, any type of 3G type or anything else. Otherwise, I was always connected to data plans and Carl would be over there. Okay, stop here. I've got a signal. Stop. Stop the car. You know, that type of thing. And we didn't know that every time we stopped, it was also costing us, you know, him another $10. We would have stopped more often had we known that. Yeah, Chris would say, like, take my picture and post it. And I'm like, okay. And now I know that every picture I took was 20 bucks. <laughs> Classic. So with with with, with that, we, we actually have probably blown through our hour long time. So we, yeah, we, we'll, you're not gonna touch the other one, the big one. You're not gonna touch the bleed yellow. You're not gonna touch the you know rim. Uh, you know, I'm gonna uh, leave that till a different different week. Just, oh, don't Carl. T- just don't talk about touching when Chris and, when Lisa and Darren are in the same room. You know, it's <laughs> right? Sharing a headset jack on the same computer to talk to us. Yeah, that's all. Awesome. <laughs> We can't even share those hijacks. We, we, we can't even share dessert without hitting each other. So I this isn't gonna work. Um, uh, they got one of those hijacks plugged into his laptop as we're recording right now. We're, so actually, each... we're actually sharing one set of headphones. Yeah, each it's going of us has one here. It's yeah. an exclusive relationship. Only, the only thing that nobody else knows is we're actually in a video cast, and Chris and I can see him, and they're sitting on the bed. It's like Yoko and John Lennon. You know, they're sitting there with their laptop chit chatting. They've got two speakers on each side of the surround sound in the room, and they've just got a big mic in the middle. It's where it's working. Really well. um, I think I now have the title of this podcast. It looks like John and Yoko. Um, okay. So so with that being said, every week, unfortunately, we try and come up with some tips uh, that are useful, completely either Lotus-related, technical-related, not weather-related. Um, so... Uh, well, I'm going to go around one by one. So if you can, if you can give us your tip, and also how can people contact you? Your, if you, if you're on Twitter, your blog, whatever. Um, so Cal, do you want to go first? No. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm always happy to talk. I love the sound of my own voice, just like you, Darren. That's one of the things we have in common. I was waiting for the laughter. I guess I'll have to keep going. Um, so my tip is attend your Lotus user group, your local oh. Lotus user group. Yes, whether it is you know an all-day event like I Am Lug or a little lunch and learn in your city. Um, and the way you can find those, there's two great places to go, lotususergroup.org. Um, there is a list of user groups, and there's also an events area. So check both of those places for. You will not find I am Lug on that page. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. The other place you can go is planetlotus.org, and there is an events um, listing on that as well. So would we find I am Lug out there? Almost yes. definitely. Yeah. There you go. Yep. So check those two places. That's my tip. Um, seeing as I'm blackballing Carl, Chris, <laughs> how about you? <laughs> um, actually, my tip this week is going to be some, uh, you have to promo, uh, upcoming webcasts, um, the Consult in Your Pocket series Great that is coming up. We have, yeah, we have uh, Kathy Brown doing uh, Stop Doing uh, Deploy and Pray, uh, Developer One, which is going to be really good. And then Tom and Marie, Tom Duff and Marie Scott. It's like Donnie and Marie all of a sudden. I'm starting to realize <laughs> Tom and Marie are doing 
a pre-launch kind of uh, webcast of their same time book for users. It's for users that they're writing. Meaning, if even if you're an administrator or developer, it's a great session and tips on how the user sees the client because neither one of them are deep into same time in terms of, well, I shouldn't say Marie does a lot with the admin side, but deep into it in terms of developing for it, things like that. So they give a good user approach. They wrote it for packed publishing. So they're going to use this as a launch point for discussing that. We have one on Lotus Protector coming up uh, for the mail security uh, with Victor doing that one, Victor Toll doing that one, and then uh, actually a few more behind that. So these webcasts are also free. They're an hour long. They're usually held at 10 a.m. Central Time, like real people, uh, getting up to do stuff. Uh, but as I think it was Darren said that the content has been unbelievable. So consultantinyourpocket.com. Yes, lots of very good, very high-end free training. It's 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 a spectacular thing. Um, back to Carl. Back, back to, Carl. to Carl. Go back to Carl. Go to Carl. Are you back to me? You're, gonna, you're not blackballing me? Okay. No, no. So let's see. I was going to do a same-time tip, but then it was too kind of um, techy, and it's really just a bug, not a tip. So I decided to do one on... If you should happen to have a device like an iPhone or some other touchpad type device and you drop it and you happen to smash the screen and then your touch device starts giving you shards of glass when you slide your finger over it, <laughs> Carl all you got to do, <laughs> or, yeah, it's like a blind man reading a cheese grater, you know, it was like, I was, <laughs> I was like almost bled to death, but um, it was, it, all you got to do is go buy a screen protector and just put mm. it over the top, and it will hold all the glass in place, and you can use the device again, no problem at all. And, and I have two tips. One is don't drop your touchscreen device, and you won't <laughs> have to do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, gone and missed the penalty. What was supposed to happen? You know? Right. <laughs> that, 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 that was a shocking moment of the entire world. Oh, my goodness. Um, but my real tip is actually also related to, to the Thomas Duff, uh, a.k.a. Duffbert, is there's been a lot of posts lately about um is there anywhere to find a lotus related job you know specifically there's been a couple of posts lately on linkedin and if you follow the best way to find a job with lotus related technologies that i know of right now is to sign on to twitter and follow lotus watch all one word l-o-t-u-s-w-a-t-c-h and that is thomas duff's uh, alias and he posts out uh, jobs over there and there's been at least 10 i've seen go past since just august the first so if you are in the market for a lotus related job lotus watch on twitter is what you need to follow um so let's go around the table one last time how can our listeners find you guys uh chris um i do notes all together one word uh on anything Yes, that's it. That's how you find me from the websites to any of the services to the email base, social networks. Uh, just I do notes, do a search for it, you'll find me. Yep, and he's not lying. Uh, Lisa? Uh, Lisa.duke at simplified-tech.com is my email address. And you can also call the switchboard at the office. It's a Atlanta a local switchboard. number. Yeah. There's two, there's two of you and you always answer the phone. <laughs> That's because you have the, the super secret bat phone, but this is this is for the general public. So the general public number is 678-638-6688. And somebody besides me will answer. Darren doesn't answer his phone on a good day. But uh, yeah, so if you want to call us, go old school, call us on the phone. That's the number. And you can get from there to me or to... Ernie Sutter or Jeannie Pearson, any of our account execs that way. 
Carl, I think she's saying they use Google Voice or a phone booth. I think that's what she's saying. <laughs> the cat answers the phone. Hello. Hello. I use Grasshopper. <laughs> Grasshopper. Which used to be got Vmail, but now it's Grasshopper. Oh, is it? So, really? um, okay. so uh, let's see. My website, www.epilio.com, which is E-P-I-L-I-O. Do you uh, have anything on the homepage yet? I just want to ask that. Yeah, there's a video of um, my dad, actually. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you that Carl's, Carl's homepage for his company was probably blank for like two and a half years. It was, it was, just it was it, No, it wasn't blank. People would it, just register their interest. This <laughs> was nothing. It was just, you'd had nothing on the homepage. It was horrid. Hey, you know what? That was the busiest year of my life was, was having nothing. Cause it was interesting cause everybody got these huge ideas of things I was working on. And the thing is I couldn't ever put anything there cause everybody would be so disappointed. <laughs> Because <laughs> they all had these grand <laughs> ideas of what I was doing, and I, then um, just just like the uh, the Duke folks, um, I have that old-fashioned telephone system. Mine's a toll-free number, and you can just dial one eight six six nine Epilio, and uh, that will go through to us. And and you'll you'll end up talking to a Chinese techno writer. You will get my automated agent, which will then go find me wherever I may be that day. Um, the Chinese techno is great. If if nobody's seen this one. <laughs> Uh, let's see if I've got it here. Um, we've got it in the link, right? I sent it. it you want to search for reference number 1442262. And not to sound racist, but you want to read it with a Chinese accent. Because <laughs> that's and not all how that came over. Because it's, um, it's, it's a classic techno. It's probably one of the shortest technodes I've ever read. But it's just classic. <laughs> And I am Darren Duke, all one word, D-A-R-R-E-N-D-U-K-E, on Twitter and blog.darrenduke.net. And with that, we will conclude episode 11, we think it is, of This Week in Lotus. Thank you, everybody, for partaking. Thank you. Uh, thank you. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com, the home of the finest custom business cards, mini cards, postcards, and much more. For more information and for details of exclusive promotional offers, browse to thisweekinlotus.com. Moo.